Hi there, Rachel here. If you're listening to this episode in May of 2024, I have some big news. After selling out during the holiday season, my Flex of Gold journal is available for pre-order right now and will be shipping to your home by the end of June. To celebrate, we're running an amazing pre-order sale for Mother's Day. Purchase the journal before May 13th and you'll get $10 off every journal. This is our best price of the year, even better than Black Friday, so it's the perfect time to stock up for gifts for family and friends. This three-year journal helps mothers to notice, savor, and write down the fleeting golden moments that they experience with their children each day. So go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to reserve your copy, and you'll also see our brand new cover colors, as well as our new cover option, which is a wipeable vegan leather. So again, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to pre-order your journal, and from now until Mother's Day 2024, they'll be marked down by $10 each. I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 36, Momming Like a Boss, Using Corporate Leadership Strategies in Our Homes. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard for me to even remember what my life was like before I had children. Was there life before children? (laughs) Yes, in fact, there was. And many of the experiences that we had before our kids came into our lives, whether that's growing up in a certain place or traveling abroad while we were in college, working in a certain profession, which many of us may still be working in, all of that impacts the ways that we parent. We all have unique ways that we parent because of what we experienced and the talents and skills that we developed before our children ever entered our lives. And today's guest, Whitney Archibald, has a very interesting topic that goes along with that that I know you're going to learn so much from. She's going to talk about momming like a boss, a boss as in the leader of an organization. So Whitney excelled as a writer and then an editor for a marketing magazine before she became a mother. And several years into her motherhood experience, she realized that many of the skills that she'd learned in her work about business and leadership strategy could be applied in her own home. She now has five kids, and she recently started a blog called How She Moms, where she collects and shares the best practical ideas and hacks and tactics from mothers from all walks of life. Her tagline for the blog is different moms solving the same problems, which I love. She has a talent for finding and sharing best practices and strategic ideas for mothers. And I'm so excited for her to be on the podcast today, teaching all of us how we can start momming like a boss. So Whitney, thank you so much for coming on three and 30. No problem. I'm honored. I love the podcast. I've listen to every single episode. Oh, thank you so much. Whitney reached out to me a few months ago and 
we started a correspondence online about my podcast and her blog and sharing ideas. And that's been one of the most fun parts of me about for me about having this podcast is connecting with like-minded women who are all about encouraging moms and giving them tools and strategies. And you have so many good ideas. I'm so excited to have you share. So I introduced a little bit about your past there as a marketing, uh, as an editor for a marketing magazine. Uh-huh. And can you tell us about what was, when did you realize that what you had done in your career and you worked before having kids and then even after you had kids for a while, when did you start realizing that you could apply that in your home? Um, it was kind of a, a crisis situation, actually. I mean, in a in a mild sense of the word, I guess. Um, I, I, you know, had two kids and I, I worked a little bit from home and, um, but I was mostly being a mom and I was pregnant with number three and I just looked around and I realized I wasn't very good at my job. I loved being a mom, but I was missing, um, lots of basic household management skills. I had a messy house I kind of flitted from one thing to another and we all do that, but I, I just felt like I didn't have a schedule. I didn't have order. I would probably have fired myself if I um, was the employer. <laughs> so you realized that you weren't good at the job of motherhood, the job yes, of homemaker. the job of motherhood. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't, I was treating it like a job and not a career, I should say. Mm-hmm. I was I was doing the basics, but I wasn't I wasn't committed to developing and getting better at it. Um, I was, you know, I was committed to the the nurturing part, and I was good at playing with my kids and all that stuff. But the other stuff was getting in the way of all that mm. good motherhood stuff. The the logistics and the just the the messiness and the cooking and, you know, all those things that we have to do. And I love that distinction that you just made of, because honestly, all the extra stuff doesn't matter that much as far as making you a good mom, but it does make it easier. If that stuff is managed, if your household runs well and is managed, then you can focus more on what does make you a good mom, which is the relationships and all of those things. Absolutely. Well, this episode is very timely for me. Um, If anyone's listened to me for any length of time, the podcast or followed me on Instagram stories, they know that all of the housekeeping, managing the home stuff is really difficult for me. And so I'm excited for you to teach me and all of us how to do this a little bit better. Because I do feel like in my career as a high school teacher, I excelled. Like I put everything into it. I was so invested and I have noticed a disconnect since I've been home of, I don't put that same level of commitment and energy into this career that I did into the last one. So what are some of your takeaways for us of how we can start momming like the bosses that we are in our own families and homes? So my first takeaway is to think of your family as a company with distinct departments. Um, So when I was in that crisis mode, I just opened up my computer and I started a file called Archibald Inc. That's my last name is Archibald. And and then I made all these subfolders for all the different departments. So I was Mm -hmm. just kind of trying to organize in my head, what, 
what all my diff- different responsibilities are. Um, and so I came up with things like um, janitorial, which was my word for housekeeping, because sometimes you feel more like a janitor. Um, culinary arts, because I'm fancy like that. I didn't want to just call it food. It sounded so fancy to call it culinary arts. Um, laundry, um, recreation management, administration, finance. You can go on and on. Um, you know, everybody talks about the different hats that mothers wear. So whatever that is in your family, um, I did think it was important to include things like recreation management and child development so that it's not just about the nitty gritty business things. Mm -hmm. It's also about those important parts of motherhood, like having fun and learning how to help your kids behavior and educate Mm -hmm. them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you list it off like that, it does really make you realize just how much we as moms are managing, Um, whether we're working moms or working at home moms, stay at home moms. There's so many different roles and departments, as you said, of the different things that we're managing. And it's it's almost empowering to realize that, like, I'm not just a disaster for no reason. I'm a disaster because there's a ton on my plate and I need to learn, I need to get some systems to manage it all. Like, this isn't my fault. This is a hard job that I'm doing. Right. And and even though there's a long list, rather than overcomplicating things, it helped me to, it helped simplify things for me. Even, even if I'm creating a to-do list, I can think, okay, now what do I need to do in the, um, in the janitorial department? What do I need to do in the finance department? You know, it helps me remember, oh yeah, there's that part too. What, what do I need to do in that? So, so just, just dividing it out, whether you do it written or not, part of it's mm-hmm. just a mindset. It's just thinking about your house in compartments so that it's not just everything all at once all the time. Yeah. Um, and you said you actually did it with files on your computer, which seems really super organized to me. Um, but you've also told me that I could do something like this just on paper or even just in my mind. Like it doesn't need to be a really type A type of setup. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like I said, it could even just be in your head. (laughs) So, but it is nice to write it out. So you, so you get a feel for, you know, just so it's out of your head. Yeah, exactly. So you can get it out of your head on paper and be like, okay, how are we going to tackle these different areas? So did you try to tackle it all at once? Or when you, when you made this list, where of all the departments, where did you go from there? So my, my whole approach with this was, I knew I couldn't tackle it all at once. So I decided to start an official career development program for myself because that's what I did when I was an editor. I, I read, I talked to other editors. I, I was constantly studying up to become better, partly because I was so young when I started. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the same as us as mothers. We don't know what we're, the heck we're doing a lot of the time. So we, we have to learn. So um, each month I would choose my weakest department and I would just research it. I'd read books. I'd read blogs. I'd um, Mostly I'd talk to my friends Um I, I'm kind of, since I started this career development thing, I started thinking of my friends as my advisory board, because um, <laughs> that's where I'd get some of my best ideas. As a magazine editor, I we'd have our advisory board meetings, and I'd find out what 
people were struggling with and how they were solving problems. So when I have my friends over for lunch, I just call it a board meeting and we'd all talk about <laughs> what we were struggling with and get ideas from each other. Um, you can learn a lot about motherhood in just one lunch with your other with fellow mothers or love that. evenings or whenever you get together. <laughs> yeah. And I love the idea of tackling it one piece at a time and digging into some resources. And there's going to be some moms out there who are going to think I have no time to read a book on house cleaning or no interest in reading a book on house cleaning. And I would say that we live in a time where there's so many quick resources that are right at our fingertips. Like I've recorded a podcast episode on cleaning strategies for the naturally messy mom. So that could count as research for that, for the janitorial category. For sure. So just listen to a 30 minute podcast. And that's really your whole goal with your blog is you do the reading and you bring out the best tips and practices and share it so that moms don't have to do all of this on their own, right? Yeah, basically my blog is just putting this, my original system on the internet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still doing the same thing. I pick a different theme every month and I, I research it, talk to moms, and then I put it all on there. So, and I do profiles of moms, things like that. So, so I've just basically, it's an extension of what I've always been doing, but mm -hmm. I, I called it my weak thing, strong project. And I just chose a weak thing. And then I'd set what, in addition to all the research, I'd set one little goal. So I've done this several times, but my first one was just getting my kitchen clean before I went to bed. And I know some people listening think like she didn't do that before, but, and I didn't, and I have had to repeat the goal several times since. So I'm not, I, you know, it doesn't mean that it always sticks, but it's every time I get better and better at it. Um, but just focusing on one little bite-sized goal makes it not so overwhelming. So I'm learning a lot about it, but I'm only only really trying to be great at one little thing that month. Mm -hmm. And then the next month I pick my other, my next weakness. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm sure that focusing on one thing and really doing it super well for that month, you may not continue everything that you learned during that month, but I'm sure some little things stick and habits stick and cross over into the next month and you just keep getting better and better at every area. Right. And on. you know, you can do it. Like that's a big part of it is just just knowing that you're capable of achieving that um, thing that you feel like every other mom can do, <laughs> but maybe you struggle with. Um, it's really empowering to be like, oh, I just kept my kitchen clean every night for a whole month. That was amazing. Yeah. Then what is your second takeaway? So the next one is define, define your strategic objectives. Um, so now we have all our departments listed out. Each one of those departments can have its own set of objectives. So uh, when I was working at the magazine, um, I wrote a lot of marketing case studies. And the first thing I did to kind of figure out what I was going to write about was to deconstruct their marketing, their marketing um, approach into strategy, tactics, and logistics. And so that was another aha moment. I was like, oh, this totally applies to my job as well. I need to have a strategy for each department. And then I can go about figuring out my tactical and logistical plans. Um, but I first need to know what I'm trying to accomplish underneath that department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for, uh, housekeeping is a good example, because I mean, that's a really wide 
a wide department, but ultimately I had three main strat- main strategic objectives for that. It's number one is to keep our home clean enough that we like to live in it and that we feel comfortable inviting other people there. So just general, it's nice to live in a nice home. Um, number two, I wanted to put my housekeeping on autopilot so it wasn't consuming all of my time and so that I could then focus on more important things like spending time with my kids. And then my third objective was to teach my children housekeeping skills so they could be responsible adults. Hmm. And I feel like that that's a huge one because I feel like it's so easy for me to just do all of it by myself because it's so much faster for me to clean than my children. But if I remember my, that my objective, my long term goal is for them to know how to do it, then it's worth it to me to take a little bit more time now to teach them how to do it. So it's not just about getting the task done. It's also about why I'm doing the task. Right. That is that what the the key is behind strategic objectives? Yes. And yeah, that's probably a mouthful to say of strategic objectives. But overall, <laughs> it is. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you taking the time to clean your house? And Mm-hmm. there's you know it kind of sounds obvious but but as I just showed you there's there's that basic level of just I don't want to live in a mess um, but you can you can also kind of look at your look into your your other purposes behind it and then I think it's important to start there so that your system reflects what you really care about um, mm. you know because like you just said if you if you really want your kids to learn doing it all yourself isn't the right system for you. So, um, so they really have to, this, the objective, this, the strategic objectives have to come first and you, you have to have that, that overall vision. Uh, maybe vision is the best, the best word for it. Yes. So, um, can you give us an example for one that maybe isn't like so mundane as housekeeping? Yes. <laughs> like what's a good, ob- what's a good objective for like recreation management, which is basically like fun, right? Yeah. Like recreation is like exercise and fun and activities. What would be a good objective for that? Well, I actually have a great example of that because I just recently did a profile um, on my friend, Nicole. She, her family has always made um, recreation management a, a priority in their family. And so they, their ultimate objective is to create peak experiences for their family. And for them, that means being scared together, being challenged together and having adventures together. And, Mm. um, so that's their goal. And part of what they do to fulfill that goal is they save together for these adventurous trips. And they, like they recently went sharp, uh, diving with sharks in the Bahamas. And I mean, really, really amazing things that they're doing. Um, on a budget, I might ask, I might add. Um, but they, they also like, um, take their 10 year olds on a U.S. history trip just with mm. the kid and their parents. And they're just trying to create these experiences that they'll be able to draw on in other aspects of their lives. If you don't plan some of those, those peak experiences to borrow from Nicole, um, they don't happen. So that's where strategy is important is, um, you can just let yourself go about living everyday life and not not really accomplish some of the things you really intended to but hadn't right. 
hadn't put into words. <laughs> you can go through life not living your values. Like you know that you value being outside, but unless you actually name that value and that vision and then make a plan for how you're going to meet it as a family, it's really likely that it will never happen or it will not happen as often as you would like it to. Yeah. So this is just a way to make sure that your values and objectives are actually happening within your home and with your family. And within that, I've also heard you talk about outsourcing, which is another business tactic that, you know, that word is used in the business world. But I love what you've said about that with home management. So tell us about outsourcing as a strategy within your home. Well, that's, that's one of the beautiful things that I, I realized. I actually realized that early on because I realized how much I hate ironing shirts. I hate it. And I was just not doing it. And my husband, he's a surgeon and he did his training at Mayo and they have to wear dress shirts every day, the Mayo Clinic. Um, and so I was, I had just piles and piles and I was like doing emergency ironing in the morning and um, sure he could have done it too, but he was busy and we just decided as a family, our strategy was to outsource that. And that was kind of the first thing I ever outsourced. But when you look at that long list of departments you just made um, and are so overwhelmed by that, um, outsourcing is a very nice tool to realize that you don't have to do it all yourself. Um, yeah. Especially if you're working outside the home, you know that one of the things that you outsource is childcare. Um, but you also do that when you're staying at home, you still need childcare. And so um, it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be just making trades with other moms. I talk often about the power of threes. If you have three moms that get together, two can go off and do something fun while the other watches the kids and you can, you can trade off. And um, there's a lot of bartering that you can do as outsourcing when when you're staying at home with your kids. Um, mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of things that you may not think of as outsourcing, such as just ordering dinner in every, every week or however frequently mm -hmm. you need to do ordering that. A, ordering a pizza. Yeah. That's ordering outsourcing. a pizza is yeah. absolutely outsourcing. And think of all the time that saves you with making and cleaning up. Um, sometimes that just makes, makes uh, financial sense. I love that like you've decided to do it. Like rather than just falling back on it and almost feeling guilty, like, oh, I didn't manage to pull off dinner again. So we're ordering pizza and I feel bad about that. It's like, no, I'm going to plan that on this one busy night per week when dinner never gets made, my, t my strategic plan is I will order pizza that day. <laughs> so it gives you yeah. permission to outsource that task. Yeah. And you can get creative and outsource almost any aspect in this. Um, and maybe it's the thing that you're struggling the most with. You just decide, well, for now, I'm going to have somebody else do this. <laughs> yeah. So, and when your husband, when you decided to outsource the shirts, um, I mean, what did you do? Did you, you just started sending him the dry cleaner or? Yeah. 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 And he was a resident. So I'm sure that that was a financial um, sacrifice that you guys decided to make, but you decided to make it like you, maybe you cut back in another area so that you could outsource that task. And so I feel like sometimes we just need to be creative about where we're going to spend our money to fit with these strategic objectives. You know, maybe, 
maybe we're going to give up cable so that we can do something like have a babysitter once a week or whatever it might be. Yeah, it can. It's definitely an economic decision. And, and sometimes the economic benefit is joy, like the joy of not having to see that pile to iron. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. And, and just sanity and, you know, mental health. I'm all for right. that. Okay. And then what is your third takeaway? My third takeaway is uh, mobilizing your team. We have we have meetings kind of all along the way with our family, and sometimes these meetings are are different. Like my husband and I meet frequently. Um, maybe it's not an official meeting. Maybe it's during a date or just before bed or something. But we we talk a lot about the strategic vision of our family. Um, we're basically the little the board of directors for our family, and um, we consult on the strategic level and, you know, sometimes we involve the kids in that too, but it helps if we have a, a solid vision going forward. Um, and then, then we, um, then we involve the kids and we have team meetings where we talk about our strategy and make plans. Um, if it's housekeeping, for example, that's where we assign our logistics and, you know, basically, assign chores and, and, uh, let them know what our new system is for, for chores. Um, it's also where we recognize achievement and we talk about issues that we've been having. Um, so some people call it family councils, you can call it family meetings, um, team meetings, whatever you want to call it, but, but you have to get the rest of the family on board. Yeah. It, and it does very much sound like what would happen at a team meeting at work with addressing what's new, what additional responsibilities are coming, recognizing those who need, who deserve to be recognized, you know, all those things. So how do you do this at routinely or do you just do it when it's needed? Um, I have set different goals at different times. Like at one point I wanted to have one every Sunday. Um, it doesn't always happen, but we try to, you know, at least once a month to, to have one. And do you call it like, do you use this verbiage in your house? Like, team meetings and departments and strategic objectives, or is that just the way you're thinking? About it, it? it really is. I'm glad you made that distinction because it, I mean, my kids aren't going to be turned on by the, that language. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I usually just call it, we're having a family meeting is what I say. And then uh-huh. I, and then I okay. talk to, yeah. So no, I really don't. So how do your kids feel about these meetings and getting the assigned chores? Do they, are they mad about it? How do they react? Um, I mean, it, partly it depends on the meeting. They really enjoy the recreation management meeting. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are the chore meetings that they're not so excited about. But at least they can, um, they're, they're hearing a greater purpose for what they're doing. And then they're getting it all spelled out for them so that they don't have to wonder what they're in charge of and what the consequences are going to be. And a lot of that is just making them feel like they're part of a team rather than your little servants that you've just been ordering around everywhere. And Mm. you kind of have to think of it as an HR strategy if you're going to use this corporate analogy, because a lot of times I find myself shouting orders to my kids and treating them in a way that I wouldn't necessarily treat my own employees (laughs) and that I didn't treat my employees when I, when I was managing a team Um, Mm -hmm. and there's just a basic level of respect that sometimes we 
don't give our own children as bad as that sounds. No, I completely We don't ask them. We tell them to do things. And so this is, this kind of structure kind of helps remind me to do that. Um, And it, it helps them feel, feel like they're part of something because they, they also, part of that meeting where I'm telling them what their chores are, um, part of that is showing them some of what my chores are. And that, that may be the most valuable part of that meeting is to show, okay, here's mom's long never ending list. And here are the little things that you can do to help shorten her list. You know, (laughs) that's so true. Cause I sometimes think in my mind, do they have any idea how lucky they are to have me and everything I'm doing? And it's like, no, they probably don't. Like, have I ever sat down and showed them or talked to them about it? And when I have said to my son, who's almost seven, hey, I spent all day doing this, this and this for our family. It would really help me if you could do this one thing. He's like, oh, I can do that. You know, it's like he's a reasonable human. It's just sometimes he doesn't have the full picture because I haven't told him. Right, right. And and that's really what these meetings are about is communication, you know, which you mm-hmm. have to have in a company, you have to have in a family. I mean, more so in a family because a lot greater things are at stake. Yes, for sure. Well, I love these takeaways. I, I love the idea of applying some corporate strategy to our homes. Um, you're very inspiring and I'm not quite as organized as you, I don't think, but I think that I can take a modified version of this easily and apply it in my home. And so wherever listeners are, whether they're really organized or less organized, I think that there's really valuable takeaways that they can get from this podcast. So can you just give us the three takeaways one more time so we can remember them? Yes. So number one is to think of your family as a company with distinct departments. Number two is to define your strategic objectives. And number three is to mobilize your team. Perfect. Well, thank you, Whitney, so much for coming on. And can you please tell everyone about your work and your blog and where they can find more of you? Yeah. So I blog at howshemoms.com. Um, and I also have an Instagram account where I I just post one tip every day um, on, on my theme. So for example, this month's theme is how to teach your children to work. And so I'm posting great tips about that. Then I write other blog posts that kind of support that topic for the month. So I'd love it if you'd check me out. All right, everyone go find those resources and we hope you have a great week applying some of the strategy with your family. Whitney is such a wise woman and I am now feeling motivated to revamp all the things in my home and come up with systems Oh, I have so far to go when it comes to managing my home, but I am going to take her advice and just choose one department or one area to work on, maybe two since it's summer. Um, Janitorial, I think I'm going to start with what she mentioned of just making sure my kitchen is clean every night and um, recreation management. I'm going to get some fun plans made with my kids and on the calendar. I've had such a crazy month of June that I really feel like the fun of summer hasn't started for us yet. And I want to make that happen. Um, I also want to take a deeper look at my objectives. Like she talked about, why am I doing what I'm doing as a mother? So that can give me some vision and some scope to figure out the types of activities I want to do with my kids and the types of systems I want to have in my home. 
So definitely a lot to think about. I hope you will go and find Whitney online and on Instagram. She has a lot of great serious tips, but she also has some really fun ones. Um, If you follow me on Instagram stories, then you may have seen this week that my kids and I were playing a game called What's on Mom's Butt, (laughs) which was I got from Whitney's account. Um, Basically, when you're really tired as a mom, you just can lay in the middle of the floor and then have your kids find random items and put them on your bum and you have to guess what it is. And my kids thought it was absolutely hilarious and it got me, you know, a 20 minute rest in the middle of the day. So it was awesome. Totally recommend Whitney's work. I also wanted to let you know that I'm going to be sending out my monthly recap of all of the takeaways for June at the end of this week. So if you want that and you're not already signed up, go to 3in30.com forward slash takeaways and get signed up there. I hope you have a fabulous week with your families and I can't wait to have you back again next Monday as we learn and become better moms together. I'm Stacy Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. And we'd like to invite you to come listen to our podcast, The Whole View. Each week, we follow the science for an in-depth answer to a listener-requested topic related to health and wellness. But we're not your typical health show. We're talking emotional and physical, looking at dozens of scientific studies to support our answers. You might be surprised what the science can tell us. When we share practical tips and embarrassing personal stories, we make sure no one is left thinking perfection is the goal. In fact, this one time at Bandcamp... Uh- uh, not now, Stacy. Oh, right. Sorry. I was about to get on a soapbox again. The whole view is exactly that. A comprehensive and holistic look at important topics that likely resonate with you. We also take a body positive approach. And instead of engaging in diet culture, we focus on what the actual medical research says are the healthiest choices in terms of diet, lifestyle, and non-toxic living. And we're not afraid to bust myths that are trending in health conscious communities. Join us to laugh and learn and just feel like you're hanging out with your two nerdiest besties. Check out the Whole View podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.